everyone and welcome to another episode of Behind the Mic. This is a Vent music podcast series hosted by me, Freddie Cocker. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by Vent, a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about the mental health issues, break down stigmas and start conversations. In each episode of Behind the Mic, I check in with artists across different music scenes in the UK and beyond. We talk all about their musical journeys, their artistry and most importantly, the person behind the mic. For this episode of Behind the Mic, I'm doing something slightly different because my special guest is not an artist, but someone who gives artists a platform to shine, much like me in a way. Matthias Piovesan is the founder of Effervescent Sounds, a music platform and music night which shines a spotlight on new and emerging artists in the UK music scene, as well as interviews on their YouTube channel. Me and Matthias met and connected at a young Franco gig in London through good friend of the pod and Behind the Decks guest, Pastel. Matthias is originally from Brazil and moved to the UK when he was 30 years old. In this episode, we discuss how and why he started Effervescent Sounds and the inspiration behind it. We talk about some of the best artists he's worked with and his proudest achievements along the way. As we are both music promoters and event managers ourselves, we discuss the mental process behind putting on a night or a show, the highs and lows, and what happens behind the scenes if you attend either of our nights. For Matthias' mental health, we discussed the impact that moving to the UK had on his mental health and the feeling that he had to prove himself in this country as an immigrant more than native-born English people in the workplace and to build his career. We also discussed his sexuality as a gay man and the struggles he had in accepting this growing up, the bullying he experienced in school for it despite the fact that he didn't know he was gay at the time back then, and his experience of therapy which he has done for the last five years. We finish by talking about the positives he's found in tools like therapy, as well as meditation, yoga and exercise in managing and improving his mental health. So get yourself comfy and have a listen as I go behind the mic with Matthias from Effervescent Sounds. Matthias, welcome to Behind the Mic, mate. Thank you so much for coming on and letting me check in with you and coming all the way over to my, my flat in East London to record this. You've just got back from a, well, I say just got back, you've probably been back for a while now, a well-earned two-month holiday Yeah, two in Brazil, months. back to your home country. How was that, mate? How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That time in Brazil was precious, a lot of sun, some bathing, mm-hmm. some time in Rio as well. Mm-hmm. Always uh, wanted to go, man. Yeah, I love, I love Brazilian music. So yeah, we've we've had a chat about Brazilian music, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. 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 The carnival was delicious. So mm. yeah, and it's good to be back to London to be like back in the swing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Brilliant. Ever since we connected, mate, we connected when we went to uh, the Young Franco gig. Your friend of Pastor, who's come on the podcast before, you've been such a big supporter of event. So I have to thank you for that. We've chatted a lot. We're always sending each other DMs about music and stuff like that. So it's just been really nice to build that friendship and connection and. I'm really pleased that you decided to take the plunge and do this. I'm really proud of you because I know it's not easy doing it for the first time. So without further ado, are you ready to start the show? Yeah, of course. I'm ready for it. Let's start behind the mic with your music journey, mate. Now, unlike the artists I've had on so far, you are in the industry, but you're not an artist yourself, but you help 
give other artists a chance to shine. So just tell me first about your music journey, how you fell in love with it, some early music inspirations, and how you first started your baby, that is Effervescent Sounds. Oh my gosh, it's a lot to it's a big back. question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved music, but I'm not a musician. I've tried like a few times in my life <laughs> to, yeah. <laughs> to play uh, guitar, it never worked out. Mm. I was like, you know what? I think I'm good at listening <laughs> and <laughs> looking for artists. And I think I can do that. And then, yeah, like I've graduated in journalism and I always wanted to work with music more, but I didn't have quite the opportunity when I was at the newspaper to be doing that. But it was always something that every now and then I've tried to write that something ambition, about that it. itch to do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like that I wrote... Like the first, the first article about Lady Gaga when she was like back in the, the beginning of her era. career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's yeah. still her best album, in my opinion. Yeah. I've got that album on my on my shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then I spoke with the editor. Like, can I please write something about this woman? She's really good. Da da da. She was like, yeah, for sure. Like, just do it. So I had like a bit of few opportunities in my career, but I've decided to move to London four years ago because I wanted to work in the music industry and I was and ex- now you do uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I was expecting it to be like, like quite easy I don't know like maybe I was being too I don't know naive naive yeah yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. hard mate I tell you <laughs> I know I know I know it's because like I always loved the music that was coming from the UK mm-hmm. and I always loved looking for new artists and most of them were coming from here mm-hmm. like when I was looking for the main two industries that go to Brazil are like either the United States of course, or yeah, yeah, the yeah, UK. Yeah. And I've always connected more with the artists from the UK because mm-hmm. I think they are more authentic. They are more raw. Less I, flashy, maybe. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I think there's more of a fuss when it's... LA culture. The, yeah, yeah. It's a bit f- much, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then I like it here. They're like, they're just raw talents. And that's what I decided. I was like, okay, I need to move here. And then I tried to like apply to jobs and do mm-hmm. stuff when I got here. And I was, got very disheartened. Because Same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You try like, going the normal way <laughs> and you never get anywhere. <laughs> because they were like, all the experience you had, there's no value. The 10 years experience that I had in Brazil, we don't care. We need to have something here. Mm. And then it took me a while. I started working in hospitality and then doing that when I was working at a brewery I was working at a warehouse as well at the bar and also at the warehouse and I've put for a a lot of days when I was working there because it was a lot of like packing and unpacking and something very manual and then my head was always like flying and like Mm -hmm. I was listening distracted yeah yeah yeah. yeah. and I was like you know what I'm gonna put a, a few sheets of paper in here and I'm gonna write it down I'm gonna journal what is that I want to do and and then after doing this for like a long 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 time I used to like write it down and then keep the papers and then write it down keep the sheets of paper and then after like a long time doing this I realized that that idea of effervescent sounds was there Mm -hmm. because I always wanted to be close to artists these artists that were starting a career I would want to like shine a light on them Mm -hmm. And that's how it started. I started a YouTube channel doing interviews and live sessions because I always loved live sessions and like watching on YouTube 
I was like, imagine like being part of this. <laughs> and then I've managed to like to to hire a studio, go with two friends of mine doing sound and doing video. And it was quite like surreal doing that. And that I started, I, I don't know, like, am I talking too much? No, no, I keep going. Keep now going. I've pressed play, I'm like, <laughs> That's what happens on this podcast, mate. Once you start, you can't stop. You said that you took a lot of inspiration from existing platforms out there in the UK, you know, the likes of Sofar and Mahogany, which some of the listeners in the industry or just normal music fans will know. How did you set yourself out in being different from them and making Effervescent its own brand and its and its own unique thing? Yeah. I feel like both of these platforms and colors as well like mm-hmm, these three mm-hmm. i would say were like my main inspirations but they are like massive yeah the they're behemoths yeah, yeah yeah they're like for an artist to get there few of them like you colors you need to be almost be signed or like on there Mahogany, it's not really new music is it it's yeah. like new but not new <laughs> yeah yeah and i kind of understand like they need to break an artist and they find their way of like making it happen but I feel like there's still a lot of space to shine a light on artists because there's like so many in mm. here, so many talented people. And I just wanted to give this opportunity to these people. And that's why like there are these platforms like amazing, but I think there needs to be more platforms like this. And for like, for artists that are one step lower. Mm, below that precipice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When they are starting, because they are already amazing. Mm. Of course, they develop and they get more recognition. They mm-hmm. can reach more audiences. But yeah, I think that's why I wanted. I wanted, and I think what I try to be different, or I don't know, like I try to be conscious when I'm selecting the artists. Mm, I was going to say that was my next question. How do you develop that ear for music? Is it just your own taste? Do you have a specific formula you go to? Or is it just, I like that, that's good, I'm going to put them on? Yeah, so I think I trust a lot my ears. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, how I develop that. Like, <laughs> it's something that, I don't know, like, I've listened to a lot of music since I was a child. I used to have, like, a mate in my house. Mm-hmm. And she used to wake up me with like such a loud music on radio and she was very crazy she was always singing and like cleaning and <laughs> classic cooking Brazilian. and like yeah, Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. but she was like she, she was nuts indeed <laughs> like i don't know like i've always been very exposed and my father has been a big music lover he always sends me whatsapp like oh i just listened to this one <laughs> like it's come almost like every day he he sends me a new song, something that he heard on Spotify. But what I was saying about being conscious about the artists that I choose, because I feel like it's easier for like a British artist, white artist to break. I think there's more support for them. I try to have these people as well because they are talented. But I also try to give a little bit more of support to people who come from different backgrounds, from different countries, who have different stories. So I try to diversify a bit. Mm. And that's why, yeah, I think that's why I try to make this. I think that's why I think it's so close to my heart. Mm. I need for an artist... You see your own story a little bit in them, maybe. A bit, yeah. 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 It's true, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. You said you felt privileged and honoured to be able to watch the artists that you do and, and see them rise. And, and I 
kind of have a similar feeling when I interview artists and I kind of become friends with them and then I see them doing really well I almost feel like a bit of a proud dad to like a proud older brother just unpack that for me and, and how would you feel when you, you you put these artists on I'm a massive music lover and mm-hmm. when I see someone open their mouth and singing like I love powerful voices and that's what brings my attention so much when I see someone with that talented putting out their voice and in the music that they wrote by themselves I'm like, I just feel like that's it. Like I'm privileged to be watching, to be in a small space watching that artist. I love go to small gigs in London and with new emerging artists because I have the the chance to watch them in the beginning of their career in a small, a smaller crowd, more intimate. I don't know. Like I love and I adore and for every artist that I interview or that I have on my live gigs. I'm super proud of them. Like, I really want them to grow. Like, I give them an opportunity because it's someone they're like, it's already close to my heart mm-hmm. and I cheer for their journey. So when I see them achieving more things, I'm like, I'm super happy. Mm. And given English is your second language, you are Brazilian, so you speak Portuguese. How much of a challenge was it in not only learning English, but doing interviews in it? Yeah, I was very scared when starting doing the interviews and I started doing these interviews on a screen, like for a YouTube channel. So I was for the first time in my career in front of a screen. In front of a is, camera. Yeah, yeah, in front yeah. of a camera. I've always like worked at newspapers and like interviews through the phone on in person. But that for me, I think it was... It's a different experience, even, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think it, it was like even harder than speaking in English. I... Somehow I was like, I just need to do it and I need to, I speak a lot of my hands. So, <laughs> like an Italian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My grandfather is Italian. So oh, there I we think, go. Yeah. That's where you get it from. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's like, it was a big challenge for me and I felt super uncomfortable before recording to be. When I was in the studio, the first session was like, it was all right because I was with two friends recording with me and then you one more artist there. Yeah, yeah one yeah. artist that became my friend that I met in the UK mm. we became friends she's super talented and I was like okay this is a safe space for me but when I needed to promote that and I got my phone looking at me I was like oh let's talk about you're this. great by the way at that you're very oh, good thank mate. You. you're very good at that I need to learn some stuff. I need to learn some skills off you because I'm just so bad at self-promotion. So, oh my yeah. gosh. I've, I've you know got... how to market your gigs. I'm telling you that. You know how to market your gigs. I really enjoy doing the marketing and promoting and doing all of this. I think that drives me my energy. It's really exciting for me. It's nice to have the gig happening mm-hmm. and like when you're there, it's fantastic. But also the way of like promoting it and having different ideas and creating and coming up like, okay, Today sunny. Like, what can I do? Okay. You've just got the mind for it, man. I just, yeah. it's such a chore to me just selling tickets. It's just like, oh, I'm just like, I've got to post it. We've got to promote this now. So yeah, you, you, you've got more, you've got more talent than me in that area. When it comes to the interviews, what have the artists and what has the interview process sort of made you learn about yourself? A lot. I think from a lot of artists, from all the artists that I interview, I think I've grabbed it a bit. It's, it's crazy because like, I'm the one asking questions and, but, when they answer back to me, it's there always a lot of knowledge and a lot of learning from their lives. I remember like there's one 
artist Leah Kay, she became my friend as well. And that's one song that she says like the Leah more... Kay's getting pretty big now yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. She's super cool. She's a beautiful human being and she was like the more I learn, um the more I learn the le- no Oh gosh, no. The, <laughs> the listeners could go the find more... that interview so they'll see the they'll see the quote. <laughs> it's like the more I learn, the more I understand, the lessons never end. Okay, like, there we go. That is we got there in the end. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. And I don't know, like it's just like tips because I also when I do the interviews, I also ask them about podcasts, about books, mm-hmm. about other artists that they listen, and I think from all of that, I get like a bit of like learning. I remember mm-hmm. another artist, another artist called Nuala. She was talking about, she improvises a lot. She sings. Mm-hmm. And when she, she was like, oh, when I do something wrong, I just own it. You style it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah I was yeah. like, I just own it. I don't care. I keep going. And then people connect with that. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I've tried to embrace more and more. Like mm-hmm. when I'm creating content, I'm like, I just need to embrace, like, I did a mistake. It's fine, like... Shall I leave these in then on the podcast? Yeah, why not? (laughs) Normally at this point, mate, I talk about the live show and the live experience with my artists, but you put on shows. So just tell me, as an events manager, promoter like me, about the mental process you go through in putting on one of your showcases. Because it's not easy, is it? (laughs) It's not easy, but it's very rewarding. Mm. And the last gig I did, especially, I think the oh, first... Oh, you messed me about it. You said you cried. I yeah. was loving it, mate. It was I, amazing. I cried, and a lot of people cried as well at the gig, which was something insane. It was mainly down to the artists oh, that, okay. that yeah, yeah, were yeah. there performing things that were very touching. But I've cried as well because I was just thinking like, that endorphin rush is massive, isn't like, it? Yeah, this yeah. is just happening because you I did it. I did <laughs> yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah. I organized it. I contacted the artists, arranged it, like made everything happen, like invited people. And that's happiness for me. Mm-hmm. I think... Pure elation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think where I'm happiest the most is inside a gig. Yes. I'm it's like, like my church. I have yeah. like, I have a happiness that gets inside of me mm. that I don't get anywhere else. Yeah. It's insane and it doesn't happen every time, but it happens just on gigs. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's why I love it so much. Mm. And when I start, it makes all the hard work worth it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. All yeah. the stress, <laughs> all the worrying, or you're in that moment and it just everything clicks and you just experience that moment and you realize that this wouldn't happen without you. And not to sound make it sound like selfish or arrogant or anything, but you, you just have that sort of, it's like a moment of clarity, isn't it? Yeah. It's fantastic. And, I got really excited. I didn't know. I, I decided to put on a gig because I was going to, I was going to the Great Scape Festival. Oh yeah, like, in Brighton. Yeah, 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 it's a music industry festival, and I went to this festival to network with people, and I wanted to have kind of like something back, mm-hmm. and I wanted to meet people and say like, oh hey, it was nice to meet you. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. If you wanna come, like I'm organizing a gig. The pitch. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. A few days Hey, good later. to meet you. Do you want to come to my gig? <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't like that, but like they were asking. You style it out. You style it out. No, yeah. come on. And then I did this first gig because of that. Like that was the intention of mm-hmm. like making it. I was like, I want to organize something that I'm with artists that I adore and I want to have these people around. But then when I had the first gig, I was just blown away of like mm. how good that experience was. Mm. I was just thinking like, oh my gosh. 
imagine one day like running a festival mm. my dreams just like propelled to another level mm. and I think that's why I kept on doing and it was too much of a good experience to leave it on a side. Mm. I always ask my artists on Behind the Mic about the realities of being in the music industry, you know, work-life balance or other issues like this. But for you, mate, giving you balance effervescent, like me, alongside your full-time job, it's really hard. How do you balance that from a mental health perspective? And, and what do you want to talk about here? It's a struggle because, mm. like, you want to do something, like, you want to do this full-time but it's not, it's not how possible at the moment yeah, yeah it's yeah. not possible i'm working towards that like i want to make this happen but i think in the beginning i was more naive to think mm. that things will go like straight quicker. away yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and it's not like that and when i started seeing i did like i've worked at a working space at the roundhouse and mm -hmm. i remember like that one of the people that went there to talk with us she was like, oh, I have this business that was really cool. I've been running like for six years mm. and it's still my side project. And I was like, wow, like what she's doing is pretty big and still her side yes. project because yeah, she yeah, needs yeah. like... The, the famous saying is every overnight success takes 10 years. Oh, wow. So when I heard that before doing Vent, I never really quite got it because it was only really in a music sense in that, you know, artists who... People go, oh, where's this artist come from? And then you actually go to the backstory and they've been working for eight years, five years, ten years. And then when I started Vent, I went, oh, now I realise why that's true. Because <laughs> it's bloody hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of energy. Mm. Yeah, a lot of energy. And But I try to, I don't know, like take my time as well. And when I did the gig, the last gig last year, when it was end of November, and then I started moving house, looking for a house. And then I had a trip to Brazil planned already. I started feeling a bit anxious, like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like how long until the next gig happens? And I started like getting crazy and paranoid. But then at the same time, like I stopped it. I was like, nobody is waiting for this. Like there's no boss like saying like, you need to do this. This is the deadline. It's your own pressure you're putting yourself yeah, on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I'm doing this because I love it. So I need to be on the right. You need to enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, there's no point, is there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why we do it. Yeah. And then I think after I settled, like, organized that, I was like, okay, now I'm feeling fine. And then I've reached out. I have the date. The next one's going to be on the 15th of May. Where is it for the listeners? At the Folklore in East London, Hoxton. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Three artists performing there. Pop, soul, and R&B. And after I put that, I was like, okay, now I'm excited to promote <laughs> it again and to do it. And that's why you need to find this balance yes, all the time. Exactly. I want to move on to industry issues now because me and you have both worked in the industry. I say worked in the industry. Sounds like, we, sounds like we're like A&Rs or something. We've been in the industry for quite a while now. And with my artists, they talk about loads of different things. But for you, self-doubt is the first thing that we wanted to talk about, mate. And as we both know, the music industry has many flaws. It also has many strengths. That's what makes it the music industry. So tell me about this experience from a mental health perspective when you arrived in the UK and how it's manifested in your mental health? Oof. I think I've spoken a bit about it of like how disheartened I was in the beginning of mm -hmm. like wanting to get in the industry and having all the doors closed. Yeah. You have to prove yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until a moment that like I started like seeing more people saying like, oh, you have to at least have your own. It doesn't need to be a professional experience. 
you can have like your own project that you can prove that you yes. can do that yeah. by yourself. And I think after a while, like that's how effervescent sounds came up. And when I was creating, I was like, you know what? This is not going to be like my project, like a, a project that I can use it as a stepping stone yes. to get gives you more opportunities. Job. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just want these to be my job in the future, and mm-hmm. and now I'm at the moment that I'm again applying to jobs. And I want to go You've got into the bank, the... haven't you? You've got yeah. the bank now. I've got all this experience, and I've got all this to prove how good I am. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I want to like go to these places to learn more mm-hmm. so I can utilize all my project and I can expand my knowledge. Mm. And then when it comes to that invalidation you initially felt, how did you get to a place where you felt secure in yourself about it? Was it when Effervescent started to get better and bigger and you had that as like the validation or did something else happen where you felt, actually, I am good this is good and I don't need to get validation from these people. I think we all need validation. Like, yeah, yeah, to a certain being, degree. Yeah, yeah, we all need validation. It's really hard. I think the market and I don't know if it like in, the, in general to other industry, but in the UK, it's like you need to be in London, you need mm. to be constantly be proving yourself yes, yeah. all the time, all the time. And that's really... And to who? That is the bigger question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you need to be... I don't know, like I've been doing therapy for like over five, yeah, more than mm-hmm. five years. And I think that always helped me a lot mm-hmm. in balancing and keeping my, my feet on the ground. So that's been, I feel like, my strategy. And then when I started putting out effervescent sounds and when my friends were seeing and then other people were seeing mm. and they were like very complimentary about it, I was like, okay so it's not too bad i think (laughs) when i was looking at not just me yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and it looked really nice like my friend who filmed it like who did the audio the other friend who did the audio it was like it just looked really beautiful Mm. and i was like i need to be super proud of this yes 100 percent. and like leave like all the self-doubts aside but Mm. it's really it's really hard it's Mm. a constant you need to be checking in with yourself the whole time and Mm. Sometimes, sometimes I'm like, I'm really low mm-hmm. and pff, I guess it's, it's part of how you manage it. Yeah, exactly. Let's flip this now because you talked a lot about how you try to manage the self doubt and, and overcome that. So when it comes to self belief and you've mentioned it a little bit there, how effervescent has helped with that self belief. So have you been able to sort of step back and reflect now on what you've achieved doing it so far? And does that give you that affirmation? to go back to and say, actually, when I'm feeling a bit low, I can look at this and go, actually, I'm not too bad. I can believe in myself. Yes. Every now and then I try to remind myself and like to see, to look back a bit and see what I've achieved so far. And when I feel like, like what I'm doing, like being here, like being interviewed on a podcast, <laughs> when I was on my way, on my journey here, I was like, this is just insane. Like, <laughs> look at you. Like, you're in a different country. I arrived here not knowing basically no one. Like, I had, like, a few people that I knew. But Acquaintances. I was, yes, yeah, yeah. But I wasn't, like, very close. So then I had to build everything. And I had no friends at all. And then no one in the industry. Mm. And now... You've built it from scratch, yeah, mate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Because I've put myself out the whole time that I was here. I go to 
networking events to live gigs every week because I know this is the way and I need to keep pushing myself because if I stop it, like I'm not going to progress and I want to keep progressing. So it's amazing when I see, when I stop and I look back, I was like, you know what? Look at what I've achieved like last and what you, years. And what you could achieve in the future. Yes. Yeah. You spoke there about networking events and you told me a story about one networking event in particular, which seems to have really had a sort of profound effect on you, mate, because it was such a massive step out of your comfort zone, despite the fact, as, as you've said, you've done a massive step out of your comfort zone coming into the country in the first place. So tell the listeners about why that event was so important for you. I think it was, I don't remember which one was that I told you. Uh, only you would know, mate. I've, yeah. All I've got in my notes is a networking event. <laughs> Maybe I would say that it was when I arrived here in the UK, I've heard about the Great Escape Festival, which mm -hmm. I've never heard before mm -hmm. coming here. And I met someone that works in a label in Brazil. It was like, you should go to this festival because it's a music industry focus. There will be emerging artists, which was exactly what I wanted to work with. And being there and meeting people, like being in a place without knowing anyone and that was quite surreal because i met like a few people there's one of my closest friends here she's an artist i met her there anya frilo and we've made like such a deep connection and it was just surreal that i got into to a place not knowing anyone and suddenly when we were there we started like we were walking in groups mm -hmm. of almost like 10 people going to gigs and it was just like surreal and being able to like i saw celeste Mm -hmm. There, I saw Joy Crooks, I saw Arlo Parks, all of them in the beginning mm -hmm. of their careers, mm -hmm. like in tiny venues. And that was fantastic. That mm -hmm. was like a, a great opportunity. And I tried to push myself like all the time and going to these events. And more and more, I tried to make a connection with the person that I'm meeting mm -hmm. instead of in the beginning, there were a lot of like, oh, Hey, 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 hello, how are you? The and transactional then, stuff. Yeah, 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 like exchanging cars, that's it. And I then hate that. Oh, after, never been for me. After a while, I was like, you know what? I rather prefer like connecting with like less people, but actually talking with these people. Quality later over on. quantity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's reflect on this journey before we move on to your mental health journey, mate. What's your proudest achievement doing this so far? Everything. I don't think like when I put the first episode going to a studio, recording it, putting out, when doing the gig, the first gig as well. I think I'm I'm proud of the whole journey. I mm. like there's not there's no one particular thing. There's no yeah. like because I, I think everything I've been pushing myself to a place that I wasn't expecting. And if I go back I don't know, when I was eighteen, seventeen years old, when I was dreaming of like London because I used to this is what insane because I always consumed this music and this industry from like from the screen mm, watching on far. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then being here and being able to actually go to these iconic venues and watch these things that will if I was there I would be watching from my phone is just real and I'm super proud that I've made I follow my dreams and I'm and here. here you are, mate. Yeah. yeah. And as a final question what has it taught you about yourself, do you think? That I'm capable of of what I dream. That I just need to I just need to trust myself and and do it. That my dreams can come true 
and all of this feels surreal but right now they are true they are a reality and they are a reality now and now I have even bigger dreams that I do want to achieve and I think that what keeps me working keeps me creating because I keep on putting expanding your horizons yes 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 We talked all about your music journey, Effervescent Sounds. Let's go behind the mic and talk about your own mental health journey, Matea. So I ask all my special guests this question first on this topic. Take me back to early life in Brazil, teenage years. And looking back, were there any early mental health experiences you can pinpoint? Who's the Mateus we meet here? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think from the start, it was... Well, I'm gay, but that took me a while to recognize, to mm-hmm. see myself as a gay man. And when I was growing up, I've always had female friends. Mm-hmm. I've always loved dancing. You're Brazilian. Of yeah. course you would. Yeah. <laughs> it's in your genes. <laughs> but I don't know, like I've always had like a thing for like female presenters or singers. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like I like dancing and... When I was growing up, I've struggled a lot in school with bullying at a moment that I didn't know exactly what you were being bullied for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've had two gay male guests, I've had a lot of gay male guests actually on the podcast, and two I've had on previously called James Conlon and Christian Hugill. They described the exact same feelings you went through where they were being bullied for being gay, but they didn't know they were gay. And the quote that James said to me is that no one should be able to tell you who you are. Is that something that you feel commonality with? A hundred percent, hundred percent. It's, yeah, it was a hard process, but I've did uh, nowadays like a lot of therapy Mm -hmm. to unpack that. Mm. And I think because that time, like in the nineties, Oh, different time, mate. Things were different. Like, and in Brazil, like you didn't have, a figure of like a gay figure there were like two or three characters or someone and they're always hyperbolized maybe yes. kind of parody figures sort of yeah, thing. yeah 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 so it wasn't like like i wouldn't want to be relate with that at mm. least like that time mm. because it wasn't who i was like nowadays you can see like oh here's the gay man like like one come in all shapes and sizes yeah Yeah, exactly and it's easier for you to get related like Mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah Yeah. fine i can understand but that time was just one specific and all these like people in my school were like using that and bullying me and that was really really hard and make me try to like go inside my shelf a bit until a point that i've just wanted like to move cities because Mm -hmm. I think that's very much to be with that, that mm. I moved to a different city when I went to university because I wanted to get into Start a city. Fresh. Yeah. I wanted no one to knew me, who I was, mm-hmm. and to see what was going to happen. But then during university, that's when I started, like when I started seeing more people that were different and mm. gay people. And then I was like, Mm, you can okay. be yourself a bit more like now. Yeah, yeah and yeah. i felt more comfortable Come and out then yeah, yeah and then i felt like okay i guess this is who i am i started like i had a really close friend and then we became boyfriends mm-hmm. that kind of like just happened but it took 
a while, even like for us, we, st we started having this relationship to share with our friends. Mm, like kept with a secret because that fear. Yeah, 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 like for a long time. And then like first for friends and then like we were expanding and then mm. family, mm. at least on actually on my side, not on his. Mm -hmm. But it's a long, 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 yeah, long journey. Yeah, and you're right in that, you know, in the mid 90s, I went to school between say 2000 to 2010. And the only really popular gay figure in the UK at that time was George Michael, God rest his soul. And, you know, one of the greatest musicians to ever have lived. And he was a joke figure. He was a figure of ridicule for his sexuality. And he did so much for gay acceptance. And he took all of the arrows and the barbs and the, and the media intrusion into his life and commenting about his private life. And, I mean, I know he's put on pedestal by some, he's put on a pedestal by me, but I almost feel like he needs more recognition for how much work he put in just for being himself that everyone else now is able to live their life now so when it comes to your own self-acceptance of your sexuality was there a particular moment say before that relationship happened where you felt like you could let the mask go down in your university years i think it was that relationship that mm -hmm. helped me let the mask go down mm. Yeah, I think it just happened so naturally and then it's just like it was like a beautiful story like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah of like accepting and then it was like on my side I was wanting like things to get like to evolve and mm -hmm. I wanted to tell my family, tell my sisters, my parents yeah. and that journey was like very difficult mm. again. That didn't um, go well, did it? No. no. It was really 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 hard the beginning it was it was really tough it was really tough because my parents didn't accept it and i've managed first like to speak with my sisters with my aunts with like a few were they more people. accepting first yeah okay. and then well they sort of did some work to try and make them come around yes in a, in a bit yeah. okay yeah okay. yeah or at least be aware of what was going on because mm. I was like, I've decided that I want to tell like my family. And I've read something that you need to say the sentence, I am gay. Right. So they like, so they don't there's feel no, like, oh, it's no, a yeah, phase. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's like, this is who I am. Like, I There's no say. confusion. It's out there. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when I told them, I didn't tell them about my boyfriend at the okay. time. Because Good I decision. didn't, yeah. yeah, too I, much, I guess, at that point, yeah. And I didn't want them to blame that person, like, oh, right. you've turned him and all this horrible yeah. stuff, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. I wanted to avoid that, I wanted, like, it was with me, mm -hmm. and that was the first thing. But it was really hard, like, with both of them, my mother and my father. But after a long time, <laughs> a long time, it's been like almost 10 years since I've told them. And when I was in Brazil, I was with my boyfriend there, mm -hmm. my boyfriend at the time. And it was the first time that I had, like, that I presented mm. a boyfriend to my parents. And how did and that they go? were, it just went so smoothly. Amazing. It was like... How did I, you feel? How did you feel when that happened? I just, I just couldn't believe, like, that was the highlight of my trip. And mm. I went to Rio, I saw, like, <laughs> saw the parade, I went to Sapucaí. Like, I did so many good things. And I was like, just that, being with my family and and everything just, I don't know how to explain. And I, it's Sometimes it's, you can't put it into words, can you? Yeah, yeah, and then when I was talking to like a few friends of mine, 
that are gay and I was telling them they were like wow I can really relate with that and I know how powerful and strong that feeling is because I've grown up in a family that really sounds quite traditional yeah, yeah, and also that, like, always loved, like, the family was something very, a strong very important. Unit, yes. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that's the focus. And I always felt, like, really, really sad of, like, not being able to share my whole self mm. with them. So, it's been, like, this long process of, like, first telling them who I was and them not being accepted and then... They gradually got there. Yeah. Yeah. But like slowly, 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 mm. slowly, gradually. Yeah. I think your story, mate, is is a, a testament to hard work and perseverance and patience from yourself, first of all, with them. And I think also in today's society, there's so much hate and anger and, and you know, people disagreeing with each other and then cutting them out. And, you know, if you disagree with someone politically, you must cut them out of your life completely. But your story here, I think, is an example of actually maybe be patient with someone and engage with them and show them love and show them patience even when they're not showing you to you back because eventually you'll get there and that moment is more beautiful than you can ever imagine isn't it yeah exactly i think you described it like really well yeah it took a lot of time a lot of energy and a lot of therapy as well Mm -hmm. to go of course through this process and when you're coming out story is traumatic you're gonna need some therapy yeah (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. and yeah like to understand like to have empathy for them as well and take the time and but yeah i feel like therapy is something that i i always like i don't know like i talk it and talk it to a lot (laughs) of people like everybody if it was possible i wanted like everybody to do therapy because everybody have their issues and we need to solve them because if everybody had therapy the world would be way much better there would probably wouldn't be wars mm. <laughs> like we would try to solve things in a better way and evolve i think that's why when i got into therapy and like my journey is like i want to evolve i want to become a better person and I'm going to do as much as I can to get better. Something that we both employ in our interviews, mate, and something we've been doing in the course of this interview is active listening. And I want to talk about this in regards to mental health because you wanted to discuss it. So tell me about how you've developed your active listening skills, both in your interviews that you do, outside of it, in your friendships or relationships, and how it's helped you from a mental health perspective. Yeah, so I've learned these... I've learned about this like active listening when I was doing a mindfulness mm-hmm. course. So I did like a eight week course. So each week we were learning of like one thing. And one of these weeks was the active listening that I've never heard of before. <laughs> and it's basically very like, English phrase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's something that we don't realize, but when we are speaking, we are also in our head, there's like something going on. And when we are listening, someone else is speaking to us, we are trying to like reply something and it's really, really hard. Like It's, an it's not an easy skill. <laughs> no, no, no. And you need to be constantly be doing that. And I've tried to apply as much as I can to listen to someone, but mm. everyone falls into a trap of like, talking and like wanting to say someone yeah 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 there we go and it's hard but you Mm. need to remind yourself and i've been doing meditation and this mindfulness course was transformative in my life because 
it just gave me these tools and and I've started meditating every day. So I put that into a practice that like every morning, they always say, they say that if you want to have a new habit, you need to attach to another one that you already have in order to make that happen. Like, mm-hmm. let's say you have a shower. So after you have a shower, you do something else that is new and you put a new habit. You put it into the chain. Yeah. yeah. So it's like after shower, that's the new, new thing. After shower, again, mm-hmm. after a while, you feel like that two things are connected. It becomes and then, normalized. Yeah. 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 So that's what I did with meditation. Like I wake up and it's the first thing that I do. Like I don't look at my phone. I just put my earphones, concentrate on that, do it, put a guy meditation, and then I can start my day off mm. differently. In some ways, active listening is a bit of a superpower, mate. But in other ways, it can be a very big responsibility to hold and sometimes maybe a blessing and a curse at the same time in how you can, well, it's certainly from my experience, you can very easily open people up sometimes without you realizing. So how do you balance your superpower now you've harnessed it? I think we need to to know ourselves a lot and understand that there are some moments that we are not in that state of mind mm-hmm. to embrace and to get like other people's problems mm-hmm. or issues and I think I balance that a lot like a moment that I'm like I'm out and about and other one that like I need to be on my shell mm-hmm. a bit so I can recover and then get to that point again but it's not a book. There's no guide. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, it's trial and error a lot of the time. Yes. Yeah. My therapist, when I kind of explained this issue and how I needed to balance it, and this is what she said to me. She said, you know, it is a superpower that you have and you need to be careful in how you harness it because you can open someone up now and let them tell you their deepest, darkest secrets in two or three questions. And I, I've done that without realizing sometimes on nights out when I've had a few to drink. It's a really important thing to harness it when you've got when you've got it for sure, mate. I want to reflect now on your mental health journey. So first of all, what has this mental health journey taught you about yourself? Well, I don't know how to answer this one. I think what I've learned through this experience through by doing I try to stay present mm-hmm. as much as I can how do you do that by meditating mm-hmm. by doing yoga by going through my issues on therapy I've been doing twice a week therapy and that's intense it, it's <laughs> a lot it's a lot it's a lot but I also feel like because I'm doing so much things are going quicker I always say that like therapy is like you have nods and then you need to like unveil them, them. Yeah. slowly, slowly and you talk, talk, talk and then suddenly that's not an issue and then under you see that there's <laughs> yeah, another yeah. Something nod. Something else comes up yeah. more quickly. Yeah, I've had that. <laughs> or like there's a new thing happening in your life, a new story happening in your life and that you need to figure out how to do it. So mm. that's a new issue. And then you keep on, on doing it. But I've tried to... as as much as possible to be present and to be grateful and also like to mm. enjoy enjoy what I'm what I'm living. I know it's like almost like ridiculous, but life is so beautiful and the connections that we are able to make here, I think these are like the most precious things that I can take 
from life and mm-hmm. this is what I care the most mm-hmm. and I've tried to enjoy and put my energy more and more into developing these relationships mm. with my friends, with my family, being available to them and having good moments with mm. them. And as a final question, if you could go back and talk to that Mateus who was being bullied in school, the Mateus who had just moved to your state capital for a fresh start, or the Mateus in his very early months in the UK, not knowing absolutely anyone and wanting to break into this music industry, what would you say to him knowing what you do now? I think to keep believing in in yourself and to keep dreaming because a lot of times I dream a lot and I dream big and and I am capable of achieving what I dream because I've achieved a lot of like things that I've dreamed but sometimes it's really hard when you have like a lot of negative messages and coming from like different sides that destroys the energy and the passion that you have for something but I would say like keep your passion and just keep being yourself because I think the more I grow the more I'm proud of like who I am and who I was like the more I try to connect off with who I've always been but when we go through life there are different situations happen and then like you've changed because of that but some things they take you out of your path and I try to like with yeah all of these techniques to keep on my path like Mm. to achieve what I wanted to achieve and to keep dreaming our final topic of conversation Mateus and it's one I try and have with all of my special guests if we have time it is a general natter and chat about mental health so firstly how is your mental health mate it's been really good. Like yesterday I had therapy and I was just so happy with like with myself, with where I've been. Like I've moved houses, I'm in a place living with friends. I'm organizing my next gig, which is something that makes me super excited. The summer is coming, so that <laughs> always gets me going as well. So I'm think I'm at a moment that I'm I'm proud of myself. I'm happy. And if you felt comfortable saying, what mental health issues or conditions, if any, do you live with and how do they affect you in your day-to-day life? Mm. You can say none if you want to. There's, if you don't have anything diagnosed, you don't. <laughs> you can say that. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't have anything diagnosed, <laughs> let's say. But I don't know, there must be like, there's always a thing like a bit of anxiety, yeah, like a sure. bit of like procrastination mm-hmm. that it's, type of anxiety Mm -hmm. i think that's what i struggle a lot like i think it's because i try to i feel like i'm not capable of something so i self-doubt comes back yeah yeah yeah, exactly so i doubt myself and then i take ages to do it because i feel like i'm not doing but then i do it i'm like oh my gosh like i could have done this Mm. before and then what things do you find in life that trigger your mental health? So it could be things people say to you. It could be a sound, a sensation, being in a particular social environment. Or have you not figured all of them out yet? I don't think I have it very clear of like what triggers my... Okay. Well, that's a good thing. You don't have a lot of triggers. I don't know. What with so, you? So for example, a trigger for me could be 
sometimes being in a very high conflict situation, I get a pang of adrenaline. That's like a trigger. Or some of my triggers when I used to be not in a good place in my recovery, sometimes someone could say my name, my full name in, a, in an open public setting and I could be triggered and I could go back to when I was in school and I was being bullied and I would think, right, where, am I, where are the exit doors? So things like that are triggers. I don't have that trigger anymore, but that is an example of a trigger. Yeah. Well, I think I had a trigger when I was growing up, like being bullied mm-hmm. when there were like people were in my school like using words like faggot or mm-hmm. like all of that kind of things and that was something like quite strong for me when i was growing up but mm. right now i've just like yeah you've moved on which yeah, is good yeah. which is good you've spoken about positive tools and methods so my next question is what has been the best book or as i call it mental health bible you've read for your mental health now it can be self-help or mental health related it doesn't exclusively have to be. It can be fiction. And if you can't think of a book, a podcast, TV show, whatever other piece of popular culture. There's one called 10% Happier. I don't remember the name of the author, but he's an American journalist. And he had a breakdown when he was on air, national TV in the United States. And he was very skeptical. And after having that moment having that meltdown, he started going after all these gurus and all these people that were talking about spirituality spirituality and mental health. And he started interviewing all of these people. And then he has like, in this book, he has like all of these interviews and what he was kind of like questioning until a moment that he discovered about mindfulness and meditation. And then he came up with this it's not conclusion. It was like he created something like, oh, it's not that it's going to change your life like upside down, but at least it will make you 10% happier mm-hmm. if you do that. And I've really enjoyed like reading that book and I think it connects with me a lot. And that's somehow like just what I believe. Like mm. it's not going to change. It's not one thing that will change your life. Like, it's loads of little things. Yeah. 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 But this meditation it does change a lot. And the days that I don't do, they are totally different from Mm. the others. If there was a mantra in life that summed up your mental health, what would it be and why? Keep dreaming? Yeah, I think... Or keep believing? (laughs) Don't stop (laughs) believing. Yeah, and keep being passionate about life as Mm. well. And as a final question, this is a very broad one. What more do you think we have to do to ensure men from all backgrounds, all walks of life, feel comfortable and safe in opening up about their mental health issues or just their general mental health if, most importantly, they want to do it? We need to be... Kinder? I would say that we need to be feminists. We need to destroy the patriarchy. (laughs) It's just like I feel so sad for men that grow up in that tough environment that make them act in a certain way and don't allow their feelings to to flow and to be... And I think somehow in the beginning of my life, I was thinking that being gay could be a curse. And now I feel like it's totally opposite because because of that... I can express and it's 
totally fine that I can express all my feeling, but I feel like there's a lot of like straight men, they still feel like, and then growing up, there's like that lad, I don't know, posture and like mm -hmm. how you need to behave. And it's just so sad. And it's, it's such a complex, complex way. And I think it will take like generations if we will ever. Mm. Uh, I like to be more optimistic, but yeah, I get what you mean. Matthias, it has been a absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on behind the mic and checking in with me, mate. Oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was very kind and generous of you to have me. When you first invited me, I was like, I don't have anything to say. Like, <laughs> thank you for inviting me, but I think you're like, you sent the, <laughs> the invitation to the wrong person. <laughs> but it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're very kind. And what you're doing, it's really important. So keep doing that. Well, that's all we've got time for on this episode of Behind the Mic. I want to say a big thank you to Matthias from Effervescent Sounds for being my special guest on this episode and for letting me go Behind the Mic with him. I'll put all of Effervescent Sounds' social media links and where you can find out more about their upcoming showcase events in the show notes as always. I'll sign us off by saying thank you to all the vendors who've tuned in. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, please give it a share on social media. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. If you're feeling generous, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. If you like what we're doing here at Vent and want to support us further, you can do so by going to our Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash VentHelpUK. Or you can go to our GoFundMe or buy a Vent t-shirt. All those links are on our link tree. That's linktr.ee slash VentHelpUK. Stay tuned for the next episode of Behind the Mic. And remember, guys, it is always okay to vent. Vent.